Amen. Amen. Our God is holy and perfect. Please be seated. We're really blessed this morning actually to have Reverend Dr. John Sweetman come to share. For those that don't know, John has had an incredible ministry across Queensland Baptist churches for many years. Uh, Principal of the Bible College, now heading up the regional uh, coordinators or ministers in the denomination across the state. And uh, we're really glad to have him. Many of, you, many of you have already been blessed by his teaching over the years. Could you welcome him as he comes to share with us? Thank you, John. Ah, it's wonderful to be here this morning. I usually enter on that side, but I've figured out this morning it's quicker coming that way, and at this age you can't afford to waste energy, all right? So uh, I thought that was... Uh, I think Andrew looked in the right direction, didn't you? <laughs> I warned him that I was coming that side. Yeah, good. Uh, at the end of 2021, uh, many of our Baptist churches and right, other churches right throughout Australia did a survey, a National Church Life Survey, that looked at the health of the church and what the church was doing in ministry and outreach and service and, and everything. And the results have come in. It's taken a while for them to compile all of Australia's information. Uh, and I was looking this week at, at Bridgie's results, uh, seeing I was coming to, uh, to preach here. And, and they're incredible. I mean, it's what you said about your church. <laughs> uh, but in so many of the areas, this is an incredibly healthy place. And I know there's a lot of criticism these days of larger churches and all the rest, you know, that, uh, but I want to say that this church is fantastic in what it's doing for the kingdom of God. Yeah, praise God for that. Yeah. And people are growing here and finding Jesus here and serving here, and, but it's a beyond here, it's for the community and everything, you know, it's, we praise God uh, for what he's doing here. I'm going to preach on the book of John this morning, and I was thinking... I haven't actually preached very much on John at all. I went through my old sermons and couldn't find many of them at all. I've preached a lot on Mark because Mark is kind of short, sharp, fast moving. And I've preached a lot on Luke because Luke has kind of a heart for the disadvantaged uh, in society. But, but I couldn't find too many sermons on John. I've preached on you know, John 15, some of the big passages and that, but, but very little over 30, 40 years, whatever it's been of preaching. I haven't really tackled John very much. And I thought, why is that the case? And there's probably a number of reasons for it, but, but I think the case, the mainly is because like my background, my first degree was maths physics, all right? So that says something about me. Like I'm all left brain, got no right brain at all. And, and John is sort of creative and aesthetic and paints beautiful pictures and plays on words and all the rest. And I kind of don't get that kind of thing. You know, like I just want to play. I, I spend all my life summarising things, making things simple, making things plain. And, and John goes the other way. He wants to make us think and be broad and all the rest. And so I've tended to avoid John. But I'm preaching on John this morning, all right? I felt led to preach on John 14. But I just want to give you a little warning it's a mass physics take on John, all right, okay? Because that's the way I, I, I think about things. A little bit of background uh, to the passage that we're going to be looking at in John 14. Uh, the context is that it was the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And suddenly the disciples were panicking because Jesus was talking about dying. He was talking about leaving and they had followed Jesus for three years and they just had no idea how they would cope without Jesus. 
It was getting through their thick skulls at last that Jesus wasn't going to be around forever. And they're thinking, what's going to happen to the kingdom of God? Like, you know, it's been Jesus' kingdom and what's a, what's a kingdom without a king? Like if he's going and they just recognise their own inadequacy and brokenness and, so they, and how little they knew about things and they're thinking, we can't do this. We can't do this by ourselves. Jesus, this is, this is not right. This is not, this is not good. Like you're, you're talking about going, but you can't go because we need you desperately. We need you. And so all these questions are, are tumbling out of these guys as they're coming to the realisation that Jesus is not going to be around much longer. And, and we get a record of some of these. I'm sure there were a lot more questions than this that evening. But we get in the Gospel of John, we get a record of some of the questions that were coming out from all the different disciples. Uh, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Uh, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Uh, Philip said, Lord, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be uh, enough for us. So they're, they're confused, uh, they're worried, they're anxious. They don't know how on earth they're going to be able to cope without Jesus, particularly when he's calling them to continue the mission. I kind of think that's a little bit familiar to many of us because we actually live in pretty uncertain times ourselves. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety around and, and often we feel inadequate to actually t take on this mission that Jesus calls us to, to, to take uh, the gospel of Jesus to the world, to show the world that they can have a relationship with God through Jesus that will last forever. And, and while we know that that's true, we feel inadequate. Uh, we often feel anxious about, about being able to be messengers of this great good news. We feel inadequate about it. And partly it's because, you know, uh, we have lived in a, well, many of us are older anyway, have lived in a fairly cocooned, uh, uh, easy uh, fairly rich kind of world and a lot of that seems to be falling apart for us here in Australia and in the rest of the, the West as well. Uh, there's financial stresses and some of us are feeling those. There's moral disintegration that we see around us and some of us are worried about, about that. Uh, there's uh, powerless rulers or despotic rulers uh, or leaders in our world that we don't trust um, and it feels like our world is deteriorating. Now, I, I don't want to take this too far because in Australia we're still incredibly blessed and I know that. Uh, but it does feel that this is a different world that we're living in. It's a difficult world to live in and, and we're struggling enough to cope with this world, let alone trying to take and believe that we've got the message of Jesus that this is what our world needs. And many of us feel inadequate, like Jesus' disciples did on this night, and like they did the next day. And we take different approaches to that. Uh, some of us just hide away, you know, like most of the disciples did. They ran. <laughs> they, they couldn't cope with it. They just had to get away. And, and some of us kind of hide away. We protect ourselves in a nice little cosy kind of Christian world that, that we feel safe in. And, some of us will lash out like Peter did, you know, uh, with, this, with his sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear and uh, we think that that's kind of the way that we, we're tired of being pushed around by our world or by evil and we kind of lash out at that and, um, and in many ways we lose by doing that, we lose the heart of the, the gospel of love that Jesus asks us to share and, 
And some of us are like John, you know, he stayed around for, he was there at the cross, but, but was powerless and hopeless. Do you know what I mean? Like he couldn't, didn't really know what, what could happen in this situation. And so some of us kind of keep going, but we don't have that, that belief that God's going to work or God's going to use us in any way. We're just kind of just there and hang, hanging on. And then others of us uh, feel anxious in, in different ways. But many of us, I think many of us feel that we're not adequate for the job here. That this is a hard world to live in. That we do have a good message, but it's all right for a few people. But for us, it's unlikely that God is going to use us as part of this. And that's exactly how the disciples were feeling, inadequate. So what does Jesus say to his disciples at this moment when they're feeling like this and they're unsure uh, about the future, what does he say to them that will make a difference long-term at least uh, in their life and in their ministry? And, and what does he say to us who are at least partly in somewhat of a similar situation as, as we think about our world and as we think about uh, the call that we have on our lives if we're Christians to, to take this gospel uh, to our world and to our friends and to our, to our community? What does Jesus say that will eventually transform the future uh, of these guys and make them powerful missioners in God's kingdom? All right, so let's read the passage uh, and then I'll come back and uh, have a bit of a look at it. So this is John 14. You know the context now. Let's just read it through, uh, starting from verse 1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we've got no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way there? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I'll do it. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. All right, so that's the passage. Here's my maths physics take Uh, on on this passage. There's three big concerns that the disciples are raising with Jesus as they ask these questions that are recorded here in in John 14. And the first concern is this, we don't know enough. 
How can we take this mission on when we don't know enough? We have no idea what's going on here. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how on earth will we ever know the way there? We haven't got a clue what you're talking about. Like, how can we be sharers of this gospel when we don't really know what it's about? We don't really know much at all, Jesus. We don't know enough. And Jesus' response in this very famous verse, Jesus answered and said this, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To the disciples who are saying we don't know enough, Jesus says, you know all you need to know. And that is you know the gospel. You know that there is a Father. And you know that there is a way to the Father. And that's through me. I am the way, the truth and the life. And when it comes to the crunch, that's all you'll need to know. You know all you need to know. This is the good news, Jesus is saying, that's going to transform the world, that I am the way to the Father. Through my life and death and resurrection, people will have a relationship with God that will last forever. You know all you need to know. When I began lecturing at the college many, many years ago on preaching, I decided that I'd have a read through some of Billy Graham's sermons. Billy Graham was a great evangelist and world Christian leader, probably the most prominent Christian leader in the world in the second half of last century. And, and uh, I thought, you know, he's had such a big impact. He's had so many responses, you know, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people responded. And I thought, I'm going to read his sermons because that'll be so helpful when I come to preach, teach preaching. And frankly, I read through quite a few of them and I was disappointed <laughs> Like, they were so plain. They were so ordinary. They were, and I was expecting something really creative and thoughtful and takes you down different pathways. And like, he just, basically, he just preached the gospel. He just said, this is a broken world and you are broken people. And God says that he loves you intensely and that there's a way through Jesus that you can have a relationship with God that will, will last forever. And uh, he said it in different ways. You know. It wasn't that he wasn't smart. You know, like he was a world influence. He dealt with leaders right throughout the world. He, he started many number of organisations that have had, continued to have tremendous influence. But when it came to his preaching, he had decided, I'm going to stick to the gospel. I'm just going to tell the truth and let God do his work. And that's what he did. And, and the results were incredible as he just spoke the gospel. Jesus says to his mates, his friends that are so worried about how they're going to do this, he said, you know enough. You know what you need to know. Like the disciples in a confused and anxious world, it's often the case that we feel we don't know enough. I, I, I don't know enough about Jesus or I don't know enough about the Bible or I don't know enough about questions that people are likely to ask or... I don't know enough about life and why things are happening and the way they are. And uh, I, I don't know enough. How can I take an alpha group? Or how can I share with someone about Jesus? Or, or how can I pray for miracles? Or whatever it might be. I, 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 I don't know enough. And Jesus says, you know all you need to know. 
There are many challenges and many questions, and it's good for us to try and find answers to some of those, but you know all you need to know. You know all you need to know. You know that there is a Father that loves you intensely. You know that there is a way to the Father through Jesus. You know the gospel, and that's all you need to know. There was a, another famous guy last century, a guy called Karl Barth, who was a, a theolo Swiss theologian and wrote over 100 books and was uh, the guy to go to uh, uh, when it came to theological understanding of the, of the Bible. And, and uh, someone once asked him in a class, as you know, this brilliant mind, this huge guy, do you know what I mean? Very, very, very intelligent and knew so much. This, this, uh, someone asked, the student asked him, he said, like, is there any way you could just tell me everything that you know <laughs> in just a sentence? Is that, is that possible? You know, thinking that's impossible. Students ask these silly questions at times, you know what I mean? So, so is there a way you could do it? And Bart said, well, actually there is. Let me tell, and something like this he said, let me, let me tell you all that I know, you know. And this is what I learned at my mother's knee. He said, it's a song that says, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> That's it. You know that. You know that. You know all you need to know. The second thing that was a uh, concern they had, so they had a concern we don't know enough. <laughs> uh, the second concern they had was uh, we haven't seen enough. Philip kind of gets to that when he says, Lord, show us the Father and that'll be enough for us. Like we, we need to see something more. Show us what the Father's like and then we'll be okay. Uh, we've seen lots of what you've done, Jesus, but, but you're going and you're not going to be around. So, so show us the Father now. Show us what the Father's like. And I can see Jesus sighing, you know. <laughs> oh, guys, come on now. This is what he says. Don't you know me, Philip? This is verse 9. Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it's the Father living in me who's doing this work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Jesus is saying, look, you've seen all that I've done. You've seen my love for people. That's my dad. Like, that's come straight from him. You've seen the power of my works. You've seen the many miracles occur and healings. And Jesus says, that's all my dad's work. Like, that's all come from him. You've heard my teaching and the authority that I have and the power that it has to transform lives. And you've heard my wisdom. He says, that's not me. That's all my dad. That's all come from the Father. You've, you've seen those things and you've seen the Father and that's enough. The Father has been working and breathing through me. You've seen lots and lots of the Father. Jesus says, we, don't, we haven't seen enough. If we just saw a bit more, then we'd be right <laughs> to do this mission. And Jesus said, you've seen all you need to see. You've seen what the Father is like and what the Father does because you've seen that in me. You don't need any more revelation. You don't need any more evidence. You've seen all you need to see. I'm with Philip a bit, you know, really. Like, it would good me, give me more confidence uh, if I could see more. 
see more prayers answered, see uh, more lives radically transformed, if I could just uh, see more change in my own life, if I could... uh, if I could see God transforming our nation, then I would have the confidence to be able to to share this gospel and to mission on behalf of God and for his kingdom. Do you know what I mean? If I I just need to see a bit more, if I could just see more, then that that would change things. And Jesus said, you've seen all you need to see. And as I think about it, that's actually true. I've seen all I need to see. In the last uh, 12 months or so, uh, I've seen uh, Jess, um, who became a Christian a few years ago from a very difficult background, and she's just gone ahead, and now she's a chaplain in a school. Like, this is incredible, the transformation of of God. Uh, I've seen Amy, who was in my Alpha group, and uh, (laughs) sceptical, but open, smart, (laughs) And with lots of questions. And I could see week after week as, as God just opened her eyes to the truth so that in the end she said yes to Jesus. Um, I've seen God work uh, not just around me but in, in broader ways. Like many of our churches, are, are, you know, Queensland Baptist churches are just seeing baptism, many, many baptisms at the moment. You know, there's a little church, I wrote about this and you might have read it in some of the devotions, but there's a little church in Jinjin that struggles to survive without a pastor for years and years, you know, like 20 years or 30 years. They've, they've been a little tiny place. You know what? They have found out that their baptistry leaks. <laughs> and you know why? Because <laughs> they hadn't had a baptism for 20 or 30 years, so they had no idea. They've just had three baptisms. <laughs> and found out that their baptistry leaks. <laughs> uh, I was talking, uh, recently we had a, a guy from uh, Zambia out, a guy called Laxon, and, and Laxon's a beautiful, simple <laughs> uh, Zambian man who moved to a poor area of Zambia and didn't have much himself, but just saw the needs all around him and saw the need that people had for Jesus, the need they had for food and and all the rest and started to take kids into his home off the streets and then that developed and then he realised he needed to educate these kids and there was no schooling available to them so he started a school and, and now all this has grown and developed and there's ministries to the kids and there's this large school that operates and this is, this is a guy, uh, he said, I still catch the bus everywhere. <laughs> he said, uh, I don't have much myself but God's just in Use this guy in powerful ways. And when you talk about stories like that, and I'm sure you've had the same here, I'm sure there's lots of stories get told here about what God's doing. And it's never, we would love to see more. I know that. We'd love to see some of you got prayers that you haven't had answered. You'd love to see that, you know. Uh, And that's true. But Jesus says, you've actually seen enough. You've seen enough. You've seen what the Father can do. And, you, and if you haven't heard those stories or you haven't seen that yourself, then, then open up the Bible and start to read what Jesus does in the Bible because <laughs> you'll see what, what the Father can do. And so if you feel, if, if I just saw more, do you want to mean if I could just see more of God at work, then, then I'd be right to mission for God and make a difference for God. And, and Jesus says, you've seen all you need to see. <laughs> There's more to come, he said. There's greater things to come. 
but you've seen all you need to see. The third concern, so the, um, do I, I don't, we don't know enough, we haven't seen enough. Then the third concern is it actually mentioned specifically here, but it, it underlies all of the concerns of the disciples, and that is we just don't have what it takes. And this concern was true. No matter what they had, no matter what they'd seen, no matter what they knew, these guys weren't able to build the kingdom of God. And the next 24 hours would show that for them. They just couldn't do it. They were going to fail in big ways, deserting and denying Jesus. And there was no way they could do it. But Jesus says to them, their concern, we don't have what it takes. And the concern is, and Jesus says to them, you will have all that you need to have. You will do greater works. That's what he says in verse 12. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Jesus says, you're going to have all that you need to have and you're going to have two advocates, all right? Two advocates. Two, when advocates, paraclete's, uh, mentors, counsellors, supporters, <laughs> best friends kind of thing. People who are going to stand with you. You're going to have two of them, two advocates. And the first one is I'm going to be your advocate, but not here on earth where I'm very limited in my physical form. I'm going to be doing that from the highest place in heaven, from the place of authority where the big, all the big decisions are made. I'm going to be there and I'm going to be advocating for you and I'm going to be listening to what you say and I'm going to be answering your prayers I'll be there for you, right at the heart of, of all that happens spiritually. I'm going to be working for you. In fact, more than just working for you. I will do whatever you ask in my name, he says in 13, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Jesus said, you'll have my advocacy <laughs> in a way that you've never experienced before. I'm going to be calling the shots and I'm going to be hearing your prayers and I'm going to be responding to those prayers. But you're going to have another advocate, he says. Uh, verse 16, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You'll have God the Spirit. He's going to come and live in you. You won't be doing it by yourself anymore the way I've done it with the Father and with the Spirit. You're going to be doing it too and you're going to have the Spirit living in you and he's going, to, he's going to work in you and he's going to make you understand all that you have in me and he's going to help you grow and develop and he's going to empower you and strengthen you. He's going to give you words to say when you need the words to say. I'm the God the Spirit is actually going to live in your life. You're going to have all that you need to have. Two advocates, Jesus answering prayers and spirit living and working in you and through you. And this made a huge difference, didn't it? I mean, when the spirit came then, these guys were praying all the time, <laughs> praying, 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 seeing the answers to prayer and spirit was moving in power and miracles and wonderful things were done. These are the same guys that ran away. <laughs> but Jesus said, you'll have all you need to have. And the same is true of all followers of Jesus. We have all that we need to have. We feel inadequate and that's probably a good place to be. But we have all we need to have. We have an advocate, Jesus. Jesus is saying, I'll listen and answer your prayers. 
I'm concerned about you. I want to work in power. I want to do the things that you asked me to do. As long as it's in my will, I'm, I'm there for you. And you'll have an advocate in heaven and an advocate on earth in living inside you, the Holy Spirit, who'll work in power in and through your life. You will have all that you need. There's two barrel support team in a sense in heaven and on earth, empowering our mission. When I was at, at school, I went to a boys' school and, and it was a good school, but it was kind of boys, 1,000 boys or 1,200 boys or whatever it is, and it was kind of like survival of the fittest uh, in that place. Uh, it was good, but it was tough in many ways. And, uh, and when, I went along to, to, when I went to high school, uh, I was very small uh, for my age, I was tiny and I was also very naive in a sense. Do you know what I mean? Like we were Baptists and we didn't mix with the world very much back in those days, you know. We didn't drink and we didn't smoke and we didn't dance and we didn't play cards and like there's lots of stuff that we didn't do which made a not much reaction. I remember as a 16-year-old boys brigader walking home from church in my full boys brigade uniform and walking past the Uniting Church where there was a dance on and looking at them and thinking, oh, they're going all going to hell, aren't they? You know, like, <laughs> we were pretty separate kind of thing. So, so uh, sorry if you're from the United Church, it's not true, but uh, yeah, we were pretty separate back in those days. Do you know what I mean? So here I was, this sort of innocent, naive, little kid, you know, and you would think, pray for bullies in many ways, you know, like P-R-E-Y, pray for bullies. And, uh, you know, uh, this, you know, kid like, a kid like that. And uh, the fact is I was never bullied at school. Never was. And there's probably a number of reasons for that, there may be. But the biggest reason, I think, was I had two friends. My two closest friends were front row props in the first 15 rugby team. <laughs> they were big boys. <laughs> and so... I. I think anyone thought of bullying me, they'd be taken on my mates and uh, that would not be a good thing for them at all. Well, you've got two mates, it's bigger than that, isn't it? You've got the God of the universe, both in heaven, answering, listening and answering your prayers, working for you, and in, on earth through the Holy Spirit living in you, moving and power through you. And you might feel inadequate and that may well be a good place to be. But the fact is you have what you need to have to make a difference in the kingdom. With that sort of support, with God himself standing with us, then we can do what God calls us to do. You have all that you need to have. Okay, so here is my maths, physics take on this passage, all right? We live in this confusing and broken world like the disciples did. And it's easy to lose confidence in our mission, to feel that we can't do it. It's, we're not able to. We, we don't know enough. And Jesus says, you know what you need to know. You know the gospel. You know the truth of that. And when it comes to the crunch, that's all you need to know. But we haven't seen enough. We just want to see more of God. And then maybe we could be a witness for him or go on a mission with him. But Jesus says, well, you've seen all you need to see. You've seen me at work. You see me at work in your life. You see me at work in the lives of other people. You see me at work in our world. You see me at work in the scripture. Like, you've seen me at work. Maybe not everything that you hope for, but you've seen what you need to see. But we're inadequate, Lord. We just can't do it. We're just not able to. 
And that's true. But Jesus says, well, I'll give you what you need to have. <laughs> you have what you need to have to take this gospel and to go on mission for me. You have what you need to have. So what was the result for these confused, anxious disciples at this time? Well, the next day they were gone, but a few weeks later, they're building the church, <laughs> sharing the gospel and seeing people come to know Jesus in tough times, but sharing the gospel and seeing the kingdom on the move. They're seeing greater things even than what Jesus did. This is these guys. You see, they did what Jesus called them to do. They knew what they needed to know. They saw, they'd seen what they needed to see. They had what they needed to have. So they did what Jesus called them to do. Go on mission. And that's what we're called to do too. This is the most important part of our lives is that we're on a mission for Jesus. And that's not just speaking the gospel. It's living the gospel, I know. It's... Uh, it's caring, it's loving, it's serving, it's supporting, like all of this is part of our, our gospel mission. But when it comes to the crunch, it's also talking about Jesus and asking people do, uh, to church or to Alpha or to wherever, whatever it might be. Uh, this is our mission, this is our call, this is why we're here. This is what Jesus calls us to do. And what we see as a result of that, what we expect as a result of that, according to what Jesus says, is that even greater things are going to happen. And God is going to work in even more powerful ways as he uses a whole group of people committed to going on mission and to serving God in whatever way, whatever that means in our, in our lives. And you say, well, John, that's okay for you, you know, uh, you got a couple of degrees in theology and uh, a lot of experience in ministry. And uh, I remember sharing somewhere recently about my Alpha group that I was part of. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, oh, I wish I could be in your Alpha group. <laughs> and I said, that's nothing to do with me. <laughs> now, this is God's work, you know. But you could say, well, John, it's okay for you. And I just want to tell you, I'm just as nervous and anxious as you guys are about being on mission, right? But just say I wasn't. <laughs> Then let me just go back. Uh, 21, as I said, I'd grown up in a, in a very protected environment. And uh, I was uh, finished my teacher training and I, was, had, I wanted to do my country service. And so I applied for places that I could go to that were Christian, had big good churches. I could board with someone, you know, because I did, couldn't, didn't know how to look after myself, iron or cook or anything like that. Do you know what I mean? So that was kind of what I saw my next step being. And Cairns, Townsville, Rockhampton, do you know what I mean? I applied for all those places for country service. And, and I got Bar. And you don't even know where Bar is, but uh, <laughs> unless you've heard my stories before. But uh, it's a little bush town. It was a, had been a, it's a mining town that had, a mine had closed. It had a dirt roads in, bitumen road down the middle and then dirt roads everywhere else. And I remember going up there with my cousin and uh, as we drove through the town for the first time, he looked at me and said, well, I'm glad it's you, John, and not me. <laughs> and uh, so here I went to this place and it was just the wrong place for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, it was just everything I didn't want. Like I was living in a housing commission place with a couple of other guys, they were teachers, but man, they were wild and they were rough. 
Like, you know, I mean, this was a very different life for me. <laughs> you know, I'd grown up with uh, never any beer in the fridge, you know, and now that's all we had in the fridge was beer. <laughs> and like, these were wild guys. Like one night I was woken up by the police in my bedroom. Right? They came into the house and into the bedroom and said, have you, you seen the, the guys from the house? I said, no. I said, well, they said, we've got reports that one of them's walking around the town with blood pouring out of his face. And... Uh, we want to know what's going on. We suspect, they said, he was having an affair with one of the other teachers who was married. And, uh, and she said, I said, we suspect the husband's got him and bashed him up, you know. And I said, oh, dear. <laughs> anyway, it wasn't, that wasn't true at all. It was the other guy who'd been so drunk that he'd fallen face first on the gravel, on the, on the bitumen, and just, you know, wiped out half his face, you know, so... So he went, you can imagine this naive little Christian boy in this kind of environment. And, uh, and you would think, as I'm sure a lot of people have thought about me, if John can just hang on, do you know what I mean? Because so many people back in those days anyway went into those environments and they lost their faith. You know, it was just too hard to remain true to Jesus. And I thought if just John can survive, you know, then that'll be great. If he can survive as a Christian through all the pressures and all the rest and and the fact is, like, I was young and I hadn't done any study or anything like that, but unbeknownst to me at the time, I knew what I needed to know. I'd seen what I needed to see, and I had what I needed to have. And the fact is, God did some fantastic stuff. Like, I was inadequate, and I was, you know, when I look back, I think, what on earth was I doing? But, but God worked. And uh, some of the teachers came back to God, some became Christians. Uh, the kids, we were discipling a whole lot of the kids uh, in the high school. Uh, we even started a little church in the town. Like, it was just fabulous. And, and was I adequate for that? No. Or were the other teachers adequate? No, we weren't. But this is just what God does, you know, what God loves to do. And God wants to do that. You know, and it'll be in different ways. And we have different gifts. I know all of that. And we have different approaches. And that's fine too. You know, but this is what God, God calls us on mission. Every one of us who belongs to Jesus, God calls us on mission. This is what we this is our task. <laughs> this is how we serve God when we're on earth. We, we're on mission together. And these are days of great opportunity. And while they're anxious days, um, most people are feeling that anxiety. And, uh, and the fact is, this gives great opportunities for the Christian gospel. And we need to see that as the dark gets darker, the light shines brighter. And so these are days of tremendous opportunity for us. So what does that mean for you to be on mission? Well, it might be coming to training this Thursday night for Alpha and thinking, maybe, just maybe, I could run Alpha in my home. Like some of you have written that off, you know, when you heard Andrew talk about it, no way, I could never do that. Maybe something's awoken in you while, we, while God's been speaking to you and saying, maybe I could do that. Or maybe I should just at least find out. Uh, you're going to have some, a whole lot of stuff over the next couple of weeks with Dale Stevenson coming next week and that about building a discipling culture and Bible reading, doing Bible reading with people who don't know Jesus. So it's going to be lots of opportunities and lots of resourcing for ideas of what you could do. Uh, maybe it's just praying for someone that doesn't know Jesus yet, that you feel that you need to focus on, that maybe he's a little bit open. Maybe it's asking someone along to church or asking them along to a play group or, or a senior service or whatever it might be. Like 
Maybe it's just taking that bold step of faith. But we're on mission. We're on mission. You know enough. You've seen enough. You have enough. <laughs> and uh, so let's do what Jesus calls us to do. If, um, if you're not a Christian yet, uh, then maybe this morning, even as we've been talking, God's been working in your life and you realise you know, you've been waiting. Maybe if I just know a bit more, I just see a bit more, uh, then I could become a Christian. And this morning God's saying, it's, this is the day. You know enough, you've seen enough. Now's the time to take the step and say yes to me. And maybe that's you. And today would be a wonderful day to do that, to say, yes, Lord Jesus, thank you for what you've done for me on the cross. I want to become a child of God. I want to be a follower of yours. We're going to, um, I'm going to pray a prayer in a moment. This prayer comes from the Bible. Uh, these same disciples, a few weeks later, were in trouble because they were sharing the gospel and they got a lot of opposition to that. And I want to pray their prayer for us. Uh, and then we're going to sing a song uh, together. I speak Jesus. And uh, what I would ask to do is that we just start off seated and just think about the people around us and what our call is, what our mission is is to do and we spend some time just thinking about that you might and, and as soon as you feel yes this is what I want to do you stand up and uh, and continue to sing standing up uh, after a while if if you're still sitting down by all means stand up too do you know what I mean so but I just want us to have that sense of Lord what do you want us to do yes yes Lord I'll do it I'll do it <laughs> so let me pray the team will come back I pray and uh, and we'll uh, then we'll just sing this song together to to finish our service. When they heard that the disciples had been commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our holy servant, Jesus. Stretch out your hand, Lord. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Here we are, Lord, we're waiting. Thank you for the encouragement and strengthening of your word. Those guys, Lord Jesus, didn't have it, didn't know what to do, and yet trans changed the world, turned the world upside down. Lord, we're praying for the same again. Boldness to speak your name and to believe, Lord Jesus. You may ask me for anything in my name, you said, and I will do it. You will do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. We claim this this morning, dear Jesus.
from God and I said, said earlier that God calls us into His presence. He's made away in His presence, but He also calls us into His mission. He, he calls us to go out on the water. That's what I feel this is this morning. It's a, a call to walk on water, to step out. And I wanna say it's not about who we are, it's about who He is, but He's asking us to step out onto the water, whatever that might look for you. So if, 
If you've heard from God this morning, and I'm going to pray for us as a church, including myself in this, would you pray with me? But maybe you put out two hands. And one is we're offering God our inadequacies and saying, God, you're bigger than my inadequacies. Oh, I can't do it, but you can. It's all about you. And the other is you're offering all that you are, your time, all that you are, your gifts, your talents, just saying, God, here I am, use me. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we just say, we acknowledge here right now, we hear your call to step out of the boat. Lord, we've been created for your mission. We find most life in your mission. And Lord, we offer, we're so aware, I'm aware, we're all aware of our inadequacies. We can't do it. There's any number of excuses, Lord. But Lord, you're with us. You're that advocate, two advocates there with us. We present those to you, Lord. You're bigger than those, Lord. We give them to you. And Lord, we give you all that we are. Lord, we find our purpose in you. Lord, take all of that we are, all that we are, Lord, to use for your purpose and your glory, that more people can know the good news of Jesus. More people can know your love. More people can know your grace and your forgiveness. Oh, Lord, come. Lord, we need you. But Lord, we just say thank you for inviting us into the greatest purpose there ever could be in this world, to share the love of Jesus. Lord, thank you for that invitation. We take it up here in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Can we just thank John for coming to share with us today? Thank you. Don't forget that training on Thursday night. Also, if you're new to Bridge, we want to connect with you. Up at the back, there's a welcomers lounge. We'd love to do to, to connect with you there. Please also hang around for coffee too. We'd love to hang out. Thank you.